Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, a Good Omens multivoice podfic, written by Entangled Now. Chapter 2 The Trumps take them all in through the factory doors, out of the bright sunlight, and into the cavernous and dimly lit interior. For a minute or so, it looks like any other factory entrance, black walls, parked trucks, and a few figures in grey jumpsuits sweeping up feathers. Crowley prepares himself for Adam's impending disappointment, and the words he'll offer to console him. Only for a second set of large doors to slide open, revealing Zonka's chocolate factory in all its multicolored glory. What feels like miles of shining pipes, brightly painted buildings and glowing conveyor belts, moving boxes and baskets far off into the distance. There are also what look like elevated tracks for the small trams to ride above the factory, stretching as far as Crowley can see. Some sort of clever work with the building materials, or possibly perspective, serves to make the whole place look significantly bigger than it did from the outside. Because it seems to go on forever. The kids are all pressed to the windows, shouting excitedly about where Zonka's chocolates are being made. Probably some boring factory building like all other mass-produced chocolate. If there really is a zoo here... There is. It was in the brochure Crowley flipped through. And if they'll be allowed to drive the trams on the tracks... Definitely not, because they're eleven, and this whole place probably counts as a warehouse and industrial building. The other parents are asking Zonka very boring questions, when she's answering like they're anything but. Crowley cannot bring himself to care how long the factory has been in operation. Why do they need to know how many people work here? And he could go the rest of his life not knowing how many Zonka bars are shipped every day, or what the least popular one is. It turns out to be the Zonka Zing Lime Explosion, which is unsurprising, because it's disgusting. The inner doors shut behind them, and Crowley is officially on a factory tour with four strangers and five children. A large main building sits at the entrance to the vast factory complex. He guesses that the smaller, colorful buildings around it hold offices, workrooms, cafeteria, toilets and such like. The normal, everyday stuff that even magical candy factories need to have. With the appropriately labeled fire exits, first aid kits and sprinkler systems, unless someone wants to get an uncomfortable visit. Crowley doesn't care enough to check, but he'd bet money that Master Stowling is going to be keeping an eye out. If there's even one fire extinguisher pin out of place, Sonka's probably going to know about it. Thankfully, the music slowly fades out when they all come to a stop in front of a rainbow archway, proclaiming Zira Zonka's House of Marvels and Wonders. It's clearly not a house. 
It's a workplace and probably has to follow the same rules. Peppa tells everyone. Though Crowley suspects she likes rules about as much as he does. He's had enough crappy treatment in a workplace to decide that Zonka can let everyone think this giant nonsense factory is a mansion of candy if he wants to. He's less likely to be forced to wear a hard hat and a fluorescent vest for one thing. Though the kids should probably be wearing hard hats if they're going to be around industrial equipment. Do they make hard hats for kids? Probably not, with them generally not being allowed into construction sites. He saunters his way off the tram last, finding Adam bouncing outside, waiting for him, while Zonka encourages everyone to line up, presumably so they can be scanned in. There's a brief moment where the smallest child, Winsleydale, can't find his pass. Crowley suspects that he probably lost it, trying to squeeze himself through the bars beside the entrance gate to see better. His mother looks tired, but not surprised. He can see the gradually dawning possibility that she might not be allowed in at all, and he can't help but grimace in sympathy. For all that he doesn't want to be here, the kids... The kids are clearly going out of their minds. He can't hate them for that. For all that it's technically a factory complex, it feels more like a combined theme park and zoo, only with the added bonus of half the attractions giving out free sweets and treats. It's easy to understand how being told that you can't come in and being shuffled off home might leave the kid on the verge of tears. But then Zonka leans in and miraculously finds the thing behind the boy's ear, handing it to him with a smile and ushering him forward to swipe it through the machine. That was very cool, Adam decides. That was a magic trick, Crowley points out, unimpressed. Give him a week with a Magic for Beginners book, and he could probably pull it off. I know how that's supposed to work. Adam demonstrates with his own hands. You hide it in your hand before you go in to pretend to grab it, but that thing was too big to hide. He couldn't have done it. It was up his sleeve. Crowley doesn't really want to kick Adam's enthusiasm, but that one's too obvious. He's mastered one magic trick. I'm not giving him any more credit than that. They both follow the brief crush of parents and children as they scan their way inside, the machine giving different beeps and trills and snatches of music for all of them. Crowley is deeply unimpressed by the low whistling hiss that his own laminated card gives when he bends down low enough to slide it through. There's what looks like a cheery foyer beyond, though Crowley has no idea what it's for. This is the first time anyone has been allowed inside. Was it built just for today? The Eriks are moving speedily back and forth, carrying clipboards and baskets and boxes. 
Some of them are wearing suits, ties and glasses, expression serious, while others are wearing colored jumpsuits. He catches the brief flash of one of their badges, which reads Eric 1097. Exactly how many bloody Eric's are there in this place? The others seem to be thinking the same thing. Are the people who were here all Eric's? Tank Top Dad points towards where several of them are discussing something shown on a tablet. Surely you have other employees? How are there so many of them that look the same? Pepper demands. No one can have this many children and human cloning is illegal. Oh, I've wondered that myself too. Zonka says from where he's propped himself against the dark paneled wood of the front desk. Kane heard across one knee. It is odd the way they just keep popping up, I'll grant you. But who am I to deny them the chance to contribute? He gives an encouraging little punch with his free hand. I'd do my best to find a place for them. They're as determined as I am to invent the best flavors and discover the most magical undiscovered colors every year. Tanktop Dad laughs at that in a way that just about manages not to be rude. <laughs> How can a color be undiscovered? I'm pretty sure we've mapped the whole spectrum. It never hurts to check, just in case. The smile he's wearing looks a lot like the one you wear to indulge a small child. Crawley would be more than annoyed if it was leveled in his direction, but Tanktop Dad seems to think they're sharing a joke. I've never seen an Eric outside the factory. Cheese Mom offers, and it's almost an accusation, but not quite. Are they allowed outside the factory? Brian asks, from where he's leaning over a railing, watching a group of them pass in a space below as well. Or do they all have to stay here? Of course they're allowed outside, Songa says, as of the idea that he might keep them all locked up in here is ridiculous. Two dozen of them left only yesterday to go on an exciting sea voyage, hunting a very rare sea slug in a shade of pink and yellow that we hope to use as a template for a new sort of calorie-free licorice. Two of the parents make impressed noises, but Crowley's fairly sure that if something contains no calories, then it's not technically food. It's just a substance passing through your digestive system. It's probably just flavored plastic. Now, there's a breaking story for the papers. Zero Zonka feeding people flavored plastic. They are waved into a small room with hooks on the walls and numbered storage baskets decorated with cupcakes. Feel free to leave your coats, jackets, and other unwanted items here. They'll be perfectly safe. I won't be collecting your electrical and other communication devices, though I must warn you that any photographs or videos taken inside tend to be blurry and indistinct. I believe the way the light comes through the windows is to blame. It also sometimes causes horribly contorted faces to appear in group photos, and what sound like terrifying whispers in the static of voice recordings. I can't apologize enough. We've been trying to fix it. 
only lets his fingers press against the shape of his own mobile in his pocket, wondering if the attempt to frighten them is a joke or some sort of expensive security system designed to render any evidence collected inside unusable or, more accurately, unreliable. Also, he's pretty sure recording devices haven't had to worry about static for a while. He has noticed a few of the parents and kids taking out their phones. If Sonka thought promising 11-year-olds gruesome faces and spooky sound bites was going to deter them, then he's never met one. My dad bought me the best phone, so he probably wouldn't do any of that. Warlock seems to want the other kids to be impressed by that, but they are too busy taking pictures of each other and checking the results. Expensive technology is often more prone to interference. Sunglasses mom offers, without looking up from her own phone. Crawley's the only one who catches Warlock's betrayed expression, which slowly settles into sullen, as he brought his way through menus. There's no reason for Crowley to pull out his own phone. If he wanted to see gruesome contorted faces, he'd just snap a shot of Hester. Oh, look! Mine did it! Mine did it! Brian swivels his smudged phone so Adam can see the blurry image of himself, which leads to a laughing protest that Brian had just caught him while he was moving. Pepper catches what she decides is a voice recording of a ghost and urges everyone to listen, Crowley included. He makes impressed noises at the faint, crunchy, static noise, which is probably just interference. But that does lead to them excitedly asking Zonka if the factory is haunted. Has anyone ever died? Adam asks, making it sound like the most thrilling thing he can imagine. Crawley swears if he brings up people falling into machinery again, he refuses to take responsibility. No one has died on the premises while I have been in charge, Zonka says, and Crawley finds the emphasis on certain words there more than a bit suspicious. What about pictures of you? Wensleyday asks him. Do they have horrible faces in them? Not so far, but who can say what the future holds? He says it like he's looking forward to it. There are, in fact, more than a few pictures of me taken in the factory. He gestures with his cane at the wall beside him, where a series of photographs hang in gold frames. In fact, I'm very proud to be right here on the wall with the men who ran the factory before me. The cane lowers to the floor with a sharp tap. I come from a long line of Sonkas, who each worked hard to make the factory what it is today, toiling away to create and manufacture the finest confections, candies and assorted cake decorations for the public. Zira Zonka strikes a pose in front of the wall full of hanging portraits, which, Crowley notices, all appear to be him, wearing varying styles of facial hair and period-accurate neckwear. 
they also appear to be striking exactly the same pose. The other parents and a few of the children, including Adam, consider the wall of photographs, murmuring amongst themselves about how nice it is that he kept the factory and the family. They seem to find nothing untoward about the funhouse mirror lineup. These are all you, Crowley says, annoyed to have to be the one to point it out. I've heard there is a very strong family resemblance, Zonka says with a nod, waving his cane in Crowley's direction. Many people mention it. It's uncanny. Crowley leans in because he refuses to be the only one in this room who isn't going mad. This one is just you with a handlebar moustache. He taps the glass with a finger. No, that's Zachariah Zonka. He ran the factory between 1846 and 1888. It's true, we do look very similar, but he had a very strong, very determined chin. It's your chin. Zonka's smile expands in his face, revealing every one of his teeth. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Crowley will not smile. He won't. He refuses. Zonka tosses his cane to the other hand and gives an odd wiggle of excitement. Oh, I have so much planned for you all today. Though the schedule is very flexible to allow for moments of wonder, flights of fancy, and marvelous distractions. Do you really have a zoo? Brian asks. Are there penguins? Wensleydale says the word with a quiet sort of hope, which suggests he has a fondness for them. What about tigers? Pepper adds. Do you have tigers? You have to give them plenty of room or they get stressed. I hate it when I go to the zoo and the animals look sad. When we went to the zoo it was raining and all the animals looked sad. Adam agrees. Can we feed them? Brian is almost vibrating at the possibility. I went to a petting zoo and they let us feed the goats and the pigs. One of them sneezed on my hand and it was gross, but also kind of great. I like giraffes. Warlock admits quietly. Their necks are cool. Crowley attempts to give off the air of someone blending into the background, while Adam squeezes himself between Pepper and the larger of the two boys to short questions and laugh. Something about being in a giant candy factory seems to have stolen half his common sense. Or maybe it's just a being around other eleven-year-olds. Are there rides? The brochure said there were rides. Indeed, young Brian, a whole host of thrilling conveyances to test both courage and constitution. Dad says you have a racetrack. Are we going to see that too? Adam looks seconds away from reaching out to shake Zonka for answers. Crowley really hopes that he doesn't, but if he does, he's blaming it entirely on the sugar. Do the rides go underwater? Wensleydale asks. The papers say you bought a submarine. Don't be stupid. There's no sea around here. 
Wensleydale looks disappointed at Warlock's immediate puncturing of his hopeful excitement. He probably doesn't park it here. Adam says sensibly, in support of the boy he's known for five minutes. Crowley thinks Deirdre would be proud. It's probably on the coast somewhere. Isn't that right, Mr. Zonka? Crowley has to give Zonka credit. He answers all of their questions, and not in a patronizing way. Though he uses a few words that the kids, and occasionally Crowley, are baffled by. He makes a note to look up in Oriolt later. Also, there's a good chance he's lying about the secret candy laboratories ten miles under the factory. He doubts anyone would give him planning permission for that, no matter how rich he was. Now, before we begin, I was hoping you'd help me taste test some new ice cream flavors I've been trying to perfect to whet your appetite for what you're going to see today. There's immediate agreement from the children, and they slowly crush in together as if there might be a race for it. Excellent. Now, since I don't want to spoil your lunch, let's say you all pick uh, five flavors. Songa taps his cane on the wall next to him, which immediately flashes into life, displaying a jumble of different flavors in a host of colors. There must be hundreds there, possibly thousands. The kids start forward and immediately start reading them out loud, to accompanying shouts of approval or disapproval at their description. Crowley finds himself scanning a few over the heads on the lit-up display. Walnut fudge explosion, hot aniseed surprise, gooseberry garden party, peppermint naps. Ugh. You have to admit, the man is a genius, Master Stowling says in his naturally obnoxious tone. By all accounts, he's tripled the factory's output in the last five years, and he regularly puts out four out of the five best-selling candy bars of all time, without anyone discovering the recipe. Not so far, at least. Crowley notes down, Here to steal candy recipes. Under Master Stowling's picture in his head, not surprised by the addition in the slightest. No matter what appearances may suggest, he's clearly a shrewd and intelligent businessman. You don't get where he is today, having a head full of hot air. Well, he has apparently been alive for the last two hundred years, at least. That probably helps. That's a lot of time to learn how to run a business effectively. Sunglasses mom laughs. <laughs> It's kind of funny how much he looks like his father and his grandfather. Uncanny, Crowley says flatly, since no one else seems to want to acknowledge that all of them are obviously him. Though there is that nasty rumor they attacked one of the workers here a decade or so ago. Tanktop Dad says in a voice that's pretending to be hushed, 
That is more than loud enough for them all to hear. Got his hands around their throat and just... If I had to be that cheerful every day, I'd probably snap too. Sunglasses mom grimaces at the thought. Crowley couldn't have said it better himself. Honestly, half the rumors people pass around about famous people are just made up for the attention. Cheese mom protests. Does he look like a man that would strangle someone to death? Yes. Crowley mutters from under his sunglasses. Which gets him a shocked look from Cheese Mom and a certain measuring look from Master Stowling. They are forced to stop talking about mysterious strangled workers when the kids come back from their ice cream adventure. Adam is holding the longest plastic spoon Crowley has ever seen and, by some miracle, has managed not to get any ice cream on his t-shirt. Unlike Brian, who seems to have tried to feed himself neck first. To his father's obvious disappointment. Brian, we couldn't even stay clean until lunch. Where is your spare t-shirt? Zonka says he's going to name ice cream flavors after us. Adam offers, waving the spoon for a confused moment before dragging his backpack round and stuffing it in there. Crowley has to wonder if that counts as stealing. There hadn't been anything in the list of rules he'd signed about taking things out of the factory. He knows that there are a lot of people who would pay top dollar for any information about Zonka's recipes. If he was willing to stoop to selling the secret ingredients in some of the world's favorite chocolate bars, risking a life of infamy and chocolate knockoffs. Crowley just doesn't have the energy for it. I said I wanted something with apples and fudge. Or maybe chocolate orange. Or, oh, do you think it should be some sort of mad flavor that everyone is too scared to try, but is secretly really good, like chili, coffee and cheese flavor? Sure, sounds revolting. Crowley says honestly, which Adam seems very pleased about. You know, everyone will want to try it, just to say that they did. And then when they like it, it would be a sensation. People would talk. What would I call it? Something memorable. Maybe with your name in. It's good enough for Zonka. He puts his name on everything. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. Adam seems to be taking the whole thing surprisingly serious. But first we're going to see where the cakes are mixed. Zonka says we can decorate them when they come out, and then the Eric's will judge which one is best, and the winner gets a prize. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. You've always been good at art. Assuming he doesn't feel the need to draw a penis on something. Odds are good someone is going to draw a penis on something. If not Adam, probably that weird rich kid, Warlock. They are led past colorful barricades, the sound of machines working in the distance. The whole place smells like chocolate and marzipan to Crowley. He's probably inhaling powdered sugar with every breath. 
He kind of wishes he'd eaten the sandwiches that Deirdre had made him. Because he's hungry, and he'd quite like something that isn't chocolate or cake to take the edge off. The kids storm their way into the mixing room, watching huge bats swirl colored mixture down clear pipes. The baked layers come out of other pipes in a variety of shades, waiting to be filled and stacked and decorated. The kids waste no time sitting themselves down around a table, opening pots of sugar decorations, buttercream, tubes of edible icing and different shapes of biscuit. Peppa has decided immediately that she needs to cut her cake into a square. Wensley Day already appears to have blue icing across one lens of his glasses, and Brian has an orange tube in his mouth. Warlock is trying to hoard colors for himself, and Adam's cake is apparently going to be as many layers high as the table can hold. Crowley sighs and rubs at the bridge between his eyes. It feels like his sunglasses are pinching, but he knows it's just his imagination. Can you get sugar headaches from fumes? Is that a thing? Has it been a long morning for you? Crowley startles because he hadn't heard Zonka creep up beside him. <clears throat> what? Sometimes the mornings can feel very long if you have something of an expedition planned especially if it's one you didn't expect to be taking. Zonka holds a cup out to him. It's a cheerful Zonka-branded shade of purple, and Crowley blinks at it stupidly. Something of a bolstering agent for you. A bit of energy. To make the day ahead easier. The man smiles and makes a gesture with the other hand. Put a bit of pep in you. Not that you need any, of course. You're quite dazzling. Crowley must be exhausted, because that sounded a lot like Zira Zonka was flirting with him. Uh, a coffee? No, no, no. Something of my own concoction, but it does a remarkably similar job, without the unpleasant jolting or the digestive uncertainty. Crowley feels like protesting that the unpleasant jolting is kind of the point and the digestive uncertainty is the price everyone pays to be alert. Uh, I'm not really a fan of uh, sweet drinks, he admits, because he's visualizing some terrible hot chocolate with caramel and marshmallows that's going to stick his tongue to the roof of his mouth and make him feel vaguely nauseous until lunchtime. The last thing he wants is to feel worse. They're just not my thing. Sorry. Oh, then I think you'll like this. Please, indulge me. Crowley's half-tempted to leave him holding it out, but he finds himself taking it. He prizes the top off to look at it and finds the liquid inside to be an almost reassuring shade of brown. He was expecting some sort of hideous, sickly purple that Zonka was going to watch him chuck down with a smile. It's clear he expects a taste test, though, 
and Crowley can't help the brief thought that this might be a perfect opportunity to poison him. He doesn't know this man, after all. He'd been shut up in this factory for twenty years, probably listening to that stupid jingle from the adverts, the sweetest taste of all, on repeat. That was enough to send anyone mad. He decides he can only be so much of a suspicious asshole and lifts the cup to his mouth, taking a sip. It tastes... purple. Something like the deep darkness of berries, with an undertone of cough sweets and licorice. It's sharp and then bitter on the back of his tongue, and when he swallows, it's going down like mild wine. Crowley stares at the cup for a minute, while the flavor slowly fades, then takes another swallow, just to be sure. It's still good. The strange mixture doesn't become cloying, or strike him as overpowering on a second try. It's just the same sharp layers of flavor in the hot liquid, sliding smoothly down his throat and leaving a peppery warmth behind. He's going to say something, a begrudging compliment. But Zonka's already smiling, and Crowley has a horrible feeling that his appreciation had shown on his face, even through the glasses. A rather interesting mix of flavors. I discovered them purely by chance. They've been a hit with people that have a fondness for something sharper. I thought that might apply to you as well. I wanted to call it Helping Hellfire, but that was poo-pooed by marketing. Sent the wrong message, apparently. Still letting a few alternates fizz about in the old noggin. I'll get there. It's good, Crony says belatedly, because it is. It's possibly the best drink he's ever had. Uh, unexpectedly good. The last part manages to sound suspicious, but that's something of a force of habit. There's a carbonated version, too, though I've discovered it tastes best at exactly zero degrees. The little ice crystals just burst with flavor. He takes a cup from Crowley, who hadn't even realized that he drank it all. I'm still working out how to keep it at that temperature. <laughs> Usually sort that out, though, don't you? Crowley thinks he might be making conversation. Zonka is weirdly focused, and he's still smiling at him. Offering conversation almost feels like self-defense. You're so kind to say so. Zonka looks genuinely delighted to have his drink complimented. Crowley supposes he hasn't had a lot of interaction with the public, if any, in the last twenty years. He doesn't think the Eregs count. He hasn't completely ruled out them being robots yet. The cane swings back and forth, while Zonka fixes a disturbing amount of attention on Crowley. It's an absent sort of gesture, but he can't help feeling that it's too practiced, as if 
having something to do with that hand prevents him from doing something else. And the moment Crowley thinks it, he can't stop thinking it. There's a fair amount of walking to do, and I absolutely don't want you flagging on me. Though I'm sure I could rustle up a bit of seating and refreshment just for you. Crowley blinks, but Zonka is already heading back over to the table, where the kids have made an unholy mess of their cakes. What marvels you've created! There's nothing like a bit of creativity, is there? Oh no, don't worry about the accident, Adam. I can see the vision you were going for. A very daring idea that few would have attempted. Well done. A pepper, I'm very impressed by your licorice parachute. Very effective. I'm sure she would have survived a landing. Warlock, I think you have half a zoo on yours. What a marvelous collection of animals. Crowley's mouth is tingling, and it feels a bit like the warm, fizzy softness you get after a kiss. Zonka is now leaning over the table, demonstrating how to make a cake look like a planet with ranks. God, all he needs is some balloons to give out and an animal sidekick. Crowley belatedly realizes that the other parents are seated around a table off to one side, chatting amiably, cups of what are probably store brand tea and coffee in front of them. He is not sure why he qualifies for special treatment. To be continued in Chapter 3